0: So,
1: Adie's returned to her blanket cave. I'm in the blanket cave, come recording studio. It's very cosy. It's actually become a kind of emotional support cave. Yeah, I think, I that's, think because that's... I come in here important. and I look at you and it's like all nice and safe. And that's going to help given the subject that I've bought for everyone today. Right.
0: Well, I'm I'm very interested in this. On the other hand, I've got this um, situation with the lighting and zooms in my room where you have two choices. Gestapo glare or Stygian gloom, and I've you do on, have a halo. I've been on very dark zooms all day with people going, "Are you there?" And I'm going, "Yeah." Uh, um, but uh, so I thought I'm going for the I'm going
1: for the Gestapo glare. Um. Gestapo glare is fine; it suits you very well. And, and again, it is it is very appropriate because it gives you that holy effect. And we will be talking <laughs> a lot. <laughs> about religion and belief today. Excellent. So Excellent. what I brought for you is, in a way, the story of a woman called Laurie Vallow, yeah. also known as the Doomsday Mother, and she has actually just been convicted, I believe, of unfortunately killing her children and having a hand in the death of her former husband. Um, but in true Milling the Air fashion, I, I, this episode, if you want to hear the blow-by-blow grizzly account of the Laurie Vallow story go to a different podcast because yeah. that's not what I'm doing. Right. Of course, we will talk about aspects of the story because we have to to give it context. Yes. Um. And therefore, there is a warning on this one that there will be discussions of adults and children being murdered and quite extensive discussions about mental health issues yeah. as well. So if that's a problem for you at the moment, you need to look after yourself, come back, It's fine. If you are an absolute gore hog, like I am, and you want those gory details, then there are lots of podcasts that will also do that for you. So um, notable ones, I think there's a Dateline one. Um, There's one called Mummy Doomsday. You can type that into Spotify, you'll find it. And also Red Handed podcasted an episode, which is comprehensive and very good. So and of course, the internet is littered with Lori Vallow. Yeah, right now. It's not hard to find the details. So we're not going to go into like the nature of the killings particular or anything like that. What Laurie Vallow brought up for me are questions around how we take information in context. And the context for this one largely is religion. Yeah. So I, I'm going to do a bit of a precie on everyone involved, but I, I'm not really going to do like a linear story because that's just me listing what happened. I said I wouldn't do yeah. that. So we're going to get right into the conversation. I'm going to ask you some things The the context largely in this case is religion because Laurie Vallow was a member of the LDS church or church of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons, um, largely based out of Utah and had quite a lot of, fairly extreme beliefs around past life regressions and visions. And also, and I'll elaborate on this a bit more, the the belief that people could be taken over by evil spirits and they could become, air quote, zombies, who then had to be eliminated. Right. And that is the, the the essential one of the reasons. I mean, there's there's a couple. It also, there's a man involved. Mm. But it's one of the reasons that she ended up eliminating her children is that she was very convinced that they had become zombies. And she told people about this. And she told people that the children had turned into zombies and that they were in the way of the mission. And the people in Laurie's life didn't do anything about this for a very long time because most mm. of them are also in this belief system. So that gives me questions then about, you know, if, if a non-religious person was to be given that information, I think there would be a phone call a great deal sooner. Yeah. And so I then want to talk about how concepts get normalized and, and how we get swept up with people. Um, but I'll discuss that a bit more fully when I come to, you know, the characters that are involved mm-hmm. in this because, my God, there are a couple. But before I launch into Laurie and Chad and all of the players, Marv, as a Catholic, have you got yeah. opinions on the Latter-day Saints? Um,
0: one thing I'd say, and I want to put this out there now, yeah. any descendant of mine who becomes a Mormon and retrospectively uh, puts me in their faith, I will haunt them to the dark Perfect. days of my life. Um, I want to make a, dis- a distinction or posit a distinction. mm mm-hmm. um, This works, by the way, for politics as well as religion. Oh, good. Um, A definition of a belief system, a helpful belief system, and one which is effectively a cult, if we use that term.
1: Yeah, and I think you can in
0: this instance. A a very wise friend of mine, a former hermit, parish priest, um, he said the difference was whether or not it brought you closer to the people around you. And made you a nicer person towards those people and that that was basically the test so for example when you have uh, someone who converts to something and they're then told to leave all the people they knew and associate right. with members of the cut of the new organization um father ian would say that's a cult whereas yes. if they remain in- embedded in their own community but perhaps have a little more time for the old lady next door because they think it's a better thing to do, then that is religion. And I, I think that's an interesting um, discussion as to where you'd put the Latter-day Saints on this.
1: Yeah, and so I'm going to come in a bit stronger on that as well because I I'm generally open and tolerant to whatever people need to do to to get them through life, if it gives them comfort and a moral structure and they have a community and they're out there not hurting anyone, then I kind of think it's all good. And I can completely understand the role that religion plays in people's lives. I think there's something beautiful about faith and, and taking a sense of comfort in a power greater than yourself and also being inspired by that to be a better person. If that's what's happening, I think that's yeah. excellent. I'm going to come out and say that all these people are idiots. These these people in this story are morons mm. of the highest order because the things, so I've listened to it, there's a podcast that they've done and there are interviews with several of the people and to hear the nonsense that these people spout coming out of adult mouths yeah. is ludicrous to me. Now I'm going, to make,
0: I'm going to make a slightly theological point about this, which is it, which is this. Um, if you are, how can I put it, a low church, a more congregational religion, anybody can be the leader. Yeah, uh, priests take seven years in formation, and I'm not saying speaking Aramaic makes you a good bloke. Because obviously you can speak Aramaic and they can be a total bastard, and the history of the Catholic Church is full of those people. But if you yeah. have seven years of learning and reflection, um accompanied by ferociously intelligent people who are questioning you all the time and saying, Is this for you? I think you probably come out with at least some mental resources. Right. And what worries me, and I, I come half The other half of me comes from a chapel tradition where um, basically anyone that fancies it can jump up and start to preach. And on one incredibly horrible occasion, my father did it. And I'd gone to chapel with him, which is a very rare thing. And he he leapt to his feet. Chapel was absolutely packed. It was harvest festival. And he decided there'd there'd been a preacher, an official preacher who was supposed to be there. But he just decided to leap to his feet and the text he took was, you snake, you generation of vipers. And those were our neighbours. And he individually right. named them and he named their sins in great technical detail. He went 25 minutes without a breath. And I was thinking, I've never been so close to losing my faith because I think if there is a real God, the ground will open and swallow me up at this very yeah. moment. Right? Yeah. But the point was, um, my father was able to do that because there was no formal training required for people to jump up you know they could just do it and i think that i'm not saying that formality is always a savior but time for reflection is a very useful thing if you're going to be anybody's spiritual leader well, it's
1: it's absolutely vital because you have to know yourself and how you fit into the story. And I think you've got to have taken steps to make sure that you're actually fit to be a spiritual leader and a role model, which is essentially what that central figure is, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Which which is not to say, by the way, that the system that um, more high church churches have doesn't fail. We wouldn't have had a few scandals if it didn't.
1: Borgia but, Pope, anyone?
0: <laughs> Borgia Pope, Borgia Pope. Yeah, love a Borgia Pope. Yeah. However, however. Um, in prince the, the principle, the idea that you need to reflect um, is rather than that you get carried away.
1: On well, the it to seems the that, you know, there there is a a focus on reflection in the LDS Church. It just seems to be a, a tradition of reflection on slightly insane things, right like near-death experiences and and visions of Jesus in the bathroom, which is something I'll come on to. I mean the problem that I've got with it is that it was founded by a con man. Yeah. I mean Joseph Smith is that's a matter of record. <laughs> yeah. Was a liar. So there's a really cool story if you if you want to um go into the history of Mormonism, last podcast on the left did a really good series on it. And the first time that Joseph Smith writes down the Book of Mormon, I can't remember who it was in his life. I think it was a sister-in-law or someone obviously saw that this was all nonsense. Yeah. And she took the book and cause he's saying, Oh, this has been given to me by God. And you know, I, I I've got it all in my head. So she takes the book, puts it on the fire and says, all right, do it again. <laughs> Which is clever girl, unfortunately yeah. for her, he then did. <laughs> and of course it was slightly different, but so they have, um, in the Church of Latter Day Saints, there's a, a real focus on a concept of, of the 144,000, which is from Revelation. I think you're probably familiar with it, Mav. Yeah. But yeah. it's a story that 144,000 faithful Christians from the Pentecost of, so that's you know the year that Christ died, yeah. 33 AD, up until now will be resurrected um in heaven, and they will be you know spending for the rest of eternity with God and Christ, um, yeah. and and they they believe that they're united by God to kind of spiritually lead everyone out. And you know, I think we can probably look back and say that when these things were written down, one hundred forty four thousand people probably seemed like an impossible number, yeah. and was posited to give everyone hope that they would be included. Whereas you know yeah. that number today is barely a borough, yeah, because we have gone forth and multiplied somewhat. Yes. So yeah, and, that, and that, that that concept of this revelations in the end times is going to be central to the story. So who have we got? We've got Laurie Vallow Daybell, um, also known as Laurie Vallow Daybell was the surname of her last husband, Chad Daybell, who's a real peach. And is also a central player in this story. Now, I'm going to sit here and slightly argue that everything that Laurie's done and it is, is, well, has also been done by Chad, but is, is his fault. Right. I think that Laurie Velo is insane. Mm-hmm. I don't think she would have got to where she got to without Chad. And that's something that we're going to discuss as well. Yeah. Is that kind of shared delusion and how people can kind of yes and themselves into more and more insane situations. And and the idea that actually you you can't really know what someone's endgame is and and what kind of extreme situations people will get themselves into once they are in an echo chamber of belief with nobody to litmus test their sanity against.
0: And I also think there is another I mean, I'm I'm waiting to hear whether Mm. this is true in this case, but there is something. Um, about how an affirming relationship between two people, two partners, can very quickly tip into a toxic one in the sense that I'm two centimetres out of line, but my partner says you're great where you are. So he joins up to be by me and he moves two centimetres ahead of me. He's now, And I say you're great where you are. And before you know where we are, a month down the line, we have moved... Really, to the edge of a cliff. Yeah. And we, 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 if, you, if you take the idea that you should never in any way give negative feedback to your partner, it's actually an incredibly dangerous situation to be in. Well, it is, but also when,
1: um, because these two met when they were already quite a way over the edge, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so Laura Vallow, right, we'll get into her. So yeah. she, um, I think she's in her 50s now. She had she, she'd been she'd been married several times and had a really bad time in a couple of them. I don't think she'd had any particular career. She kind of done bits and pieces and been at home with the kids. Um she'd done some beauty pageants. She'd been on Wheel of Fortune. It has to be said young Laurie was smoking hot. Right. I mean that's a good-looking woman. Hmm. Um so she then she she meets this guy called Charles Vallow, and he was a Catholic, but he converted, I think, for her. And they had this quite nice life. I can't remember exactly what he did, but it was an affluent life. You know, she had her own dancing room and all this kind of stuff. And and they have a blended family. And then they adopt a child together, JJ, who was um, very autistic and had quite a lot of struggles, but was, you know, thriving generally. And, and at some point she develops this keen interest in doomsday prepping. Right. Now, you do say preppers come in all sorts of flavours, but there is you know, quite often a religious connotation because you, you have to have some kind of reason to believe that the end is coming. And-, and Laurie believed that it was coming really quite soon and that everyone who didn't prep was going to be massively behind the curve. And she was into it. I mean, she was attending conferences about it. She had a podcast going with her friend about the end times where they would talk just the most gargantuan amount of nonsense. Can I just ask uh, what because hands up
0: you you may know I was a survivalist in my teens I never left home without uh, a little metal tobacco tin um containing all that I needed for yeah. survival but mine was a kind of mine was a kind of existential nuclear winter type survivalist thing not so the
1: second coming yeah not
0: not the second coming my, mine was sort of supposing i went off on the school bus today and society broke down during geography yeah right. and and so then it's geography and suddenly society's broken down and uh, but luckily i've got uh, some matches dipped in candle wax which means that even in if they're wet they'll still be able to survive. Well, do you
1: know what Mav? matches dipped in candle wax is an excellent idea thinking that you can off your kids because no one will notice because of the end times earthquake that's just hit is is, is a little way different
0: yes but so i just wanted to make clear what sort of what caught sort of yeah, making a point if you like for the saner survivalists amongst us
1: Sure. And I think I think an aspect of survivalism and, you know, being able to bear grills your way through is absolutely fine. And you know what, I would. I would. Understand Laurie's point about your doomsday prepping more if it weren't for the other things that happened and actually if she hadn't done it just to live a life with a bloke. Uh, which is what this really comes down yeah. to, right? Is that she was quite happy catching some dick. And I think the kids were in the way. And yeah, right. this guy then sells her this narrative. that I'll get on to him in a second. Sells her this yeah. narrative that actually there's zombies. And, and he had all these things. Anyway, the, the podcast, if you want to go and listen to it's called Feel the Fire. And yeah. I recommend that you do it in a space where there's nothing that you can headbutt. Right. <laughs> because you'll want to really yeah. very quickly. So anyway, so Laurie goes through life, right? And then one time she goes to this conference and there's a guy there speaking called Chad Daybell. So Chad has a wife, Tammy, and five kids. And he's got this, I mean, what you call a failing publishing company. They, they publish quite a lot of books, but they didn't make money. And he was writing a lot of kind of Christian fiction and I think some nonfiction as well, I can't remember, all about the second coming. These people are obsessed with the end times. It's what they think about. Um and he was talking a lot about his near-death experiences and his visions. So he was putting himself forward as a visionary. He was able to see beyond the veil and and was regularly convening with Christ and having these visions and everything like that.
0: Can I can I just make a point as a fiction writer here? Yeah. If you believed in the second coming, that's going to be the end of all your books, isn't it? That just well, seems like it seems like money for jam. So it's like, well, each girl, they, you know, they adopt an ocelot. End of end of times. It's the last third of the book that's the hardest to bring together. And if you if you can call in call in a celestial apocalypse in the end of
1: all your books, you shouldn't be paid for them at all, in my opinion. Well, correct, because you've ruined everything for everyone. Congratulations. So, <laughs> Chad, who, who is still married at this time. Yeah. Sets eyes on Laurie and promptly tells her that they've actually been married several times in their past lives. Good it's a good line. It's a good I'll try, line. I'll I'll try it in the black line tomorrow night. I, I think you should. I think you should walk up to someone and be like, you know, we've been married in all our past Oh, they call them probations? Right. Um right. which I guess makes sense if you're if you if you want to take the idea that this life is is kind of purgatory. Where well, you're tested life, and t- then judged, well, I don't know.
0: If this life is purgatory, what's purgatory? She said. <laughs> then purgatory must be life. But maybe they, they don't have purgatory. So anyway, yes. But go
1: you're going to hear a lot of things that are very yeah. made up. So just sit yeah. with it. Um. Yeah. 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 So she, as as a as a sensible adult woman, buys this hook, line, and sinker. Now I don't really know why, because I look at Chad Daybell and I listen to him speak, and I think that he has all the charm of a used tampon. Right. But Laurie sees something. Yes. And they then embark on this affair. So she has him on the podcast. And you know, they're they're talking a lot about his visions. And he, you know, oh, so this is where it's gonna get stupid. This is where I just wanna slap everybody because they amass around them a group of people. So it's not like they're not just doing this by themselves, they they have yeah. this core group that are into this and they call it, they're being taught by Laurie and Chad and they're taking these teachings and they're like believing this stuff. So he's, well, Laurie was telling people that he had made a portal so that he could visit her in her bedroom. Oh, and is that what could,
0: it's called?
1: Is that what it's called? I call it climbing through the window. They lived in different states, I think, but apparently they could convene spiritually. And well, um, and and, they, and this is where the echo chamber starts, right? So... They get more and more into each other. And and Chad, he then develops this ranking system for who was a zombie, uh, how many past lives people had had, and if they've been good or bad in them. And they would have these rituals where they could, uh, they had this way of working out how many zombies were in each of the states. Like there are 10,000 zombies in Arizona. Right. And they could say a prayer that would then kill the zombies. And then they could go to this portal, and it would reveal to them how many of the zombies had been eliminated. Was there
0: any drugs involved in this?
1: No, no. These are these are straight living, healthy. Laurie was in great shape. They are super clean living Christian people, and they're off their heads. Wait, I mean, <clears throat> just
0: pause here for a moment. Yeah, um, two two questions. Even the Latter Day Saints do have some sort of structure don't they they we're, do yeah so
1: they have a temple and they have like leaders and but these guys now they've gone off on their own they've branched out so they are not doing this with the blessing of temple right and, and actually laurie was very i mean she was a real fanatic she was at temple five times a week which is a lot for someone that's got a life and kids and you know things to do yeah so she was really into it so so anyway they then start to have this affair um laurie's husband charles starts to suspect that she's having an affair there's all this goings on um and at some point chad this is where it gets really wild chad tells laurie that her husband charles isn't her husband charles anymore Because he's been taken over by a bad spirit. And would you like to guess what arcane name this bad spirit has? Bezelsibab? I wish it was like that. No, the spirit is called Ned Schneider. I'm
0: not being funny. That's not the name of a spirit. That's the name of a minor character in The Simpsons.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. So obviously he's obviously <clears throat> improving at the time thinking, How can I get this woman to leave her husband? And he's like just ad-libbing, going, Well, he's not him anymore. He's now a bad spirit, and his name is and someone at the conference walks past with a name badge on. And he goes, And pulls a straight face and she just buys it. So so at this point, Laurie enlists the help of her brother. See the circle of insanity grows wider. Yeah. and she tells him that charles has been taken over by ned schneider and alex goes over to the house and shoots charles and kills him you're joking it's not my joking voice
0: i know it's not your joking voice but um right okay um yeah this seems to be a bit of a thing where if they believe in someone's been occupied by a spirit, haven't they got any process for removing that spirit?
1: Well, if they can just kill zombies with their prayers, could they not have done the same thing and like save Charles? You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like got him exactly. back anyway. But it was never about that. It was about them to you know getting it on and doing the sex, isn't it? So, yeah. but, so Alex gets away with this murder because he claims self-defense. He doesn't go down for it, and this is where Laurie's behavior starts to get really, really weird. Like she text because they had she had adult children that aren't victims the right. the guy's name is colby i think um nice boy traumatized forever and she texts them like two days later and she won't give any answers and then those two chad and laurie they are oh no that was it we have to kill chad's wife as well so laurie had been telling her friends that she was going to move in with chad and that he had had a vision that his wife was going to die before Laurie gets there. Tammy then dies, no-one says a word, and the cause of death goes down as natural causes. Oh, that's a bit like the Earl
0: of Essex's wife falling down the stairs in Queen Elizabeth's court, isn't it? Yeah, it is. or, Or
1: two princes just conveniently going missing. Yes, yes. Yeah, so so but but they are telling people about this and they are like, Yeah, we've had a vision and anyway, Tammy's just she's gonna die. It's really bad, but Tammy's gonna die, and there's nothing we can do. No one says a word to Tammy. Tammy does die. Apparently no one goes, well, that's a bit fucking weird. And they move off together and they start to live this life. And it's a little while after that that they move about a bit. But it's a little while after this that people start to go, okay, where are Tylee and JJ? Those are the children. And Tylee's a bit older by this point. She's driving. So Laurie gets away with saying that she's in college and she's here and she's there. Um, But then people are going, "Mm, but where is JJ? And the grandparents are like, can we not FaceTime? Why haven't we spoken to them for ages? And, you know, by this point, she believes and is telling people that she is a god and that the world is ending. Um, and it's and this is where the this is where it starts to get really weird. So I recommend that if you're interested in this, you go and watch the interview with Melanie Gibb. If you just type "interview with Melanie Gibb" into YouTube, you will find it. Um, so the things that she reports, Laurie, as saying, it it's just you know she claimed that she had had 21 lives and Chad had had 31 um that they're talking about like I say making these portals they're talking about visions that the wife will die when Laurie's planning to move in and these people this friendship group or this little cult that they've got around them are just swallowing this you know so this lady Melanie who seems like a nice woman but also is clearly an absolute nutbag because I don't know how you could interpret this information with any kind of seriousness um I told, Laurie told Melanie that JJ had turned into a zombie and was trying to convince her that the child was being odd. And then it said that JJ was in the way of the mission and that he was going to go and stay with some friend. Uh, and that, you know, that was just never ever challenged. And actually, this is what. So before Charles was shot, Laurie's ex husband, he had um, called the police and said, My wife needs to be psychologically assessed because she is unwell she has to be evaluated laurie goes in and is psychologically assessed and she passes so she clearly was aware to be able to lie her way out of a situation or to act normal you know um and then eventually this melanie receives a phone call and it's chad and he says when the police call don't pick up the phone and then they are trying to convince her to say that JJ's with her. And this is where it starts to fall apart. And Melanie just doesn't do this. And she's like, oh, it's when I, it was around this time that I started to think that like the zombie thing. I didn't think that was real. I was like, oh, you think that now? You think that now, do you? Um. And anyway, the, the upshot is that the children were found dead on Chad's property.
0: Right. They lied
1: for a long time to cover up the fact that they were dead. And wouldn't say anything, and you know, obviously couldn't present the children, but we're running away from the truth. And then they were both arrested, and I think his trial is actually ongoing now, or about to start. So my question, or questions, yeah. Number one, what level of censorship is acceptable? Because I'm not into banning things or curtailing speech, but that should have been picked up on and stomped yeah. on sharpish. Mm-hmm. Who decides what sanity is? Because you've got grown adults who are, I assume, functioning in the world, walking around, believing in portals and zombies and yeah. this 144,000 cohort. Yeah. And also, and, and leading off from that, why do we not challenge lunacy when it's presented as faith?
0: Right, very interesting things, very interesting questions here. Um, I would say it must be admitted that there is a, an area where faith and mental, mental illness are very close together. Yes. Um, if you look at um, the life of Catherine of Siena, for example, um, she comes across as an extremely holy woman she also comes across as profoundly anorexic. Right. Uh, you know, today... She Joan would... of
1: Arc with the visions as well, probably some. Um, yeah. However,
0: however, um, what I saw, what I see here is I heard, I heard a woman who'd worked for many years in a psych- psychiatric unit mm. uh, saying uh, over the weekend, I was listening to her, she was on the podcast, and she was saying... Having worked for thirty years on psychiatric units, the ones you need to avoid are narcissists with persistent delusions.
1: Yes, and
0: I thought that was a very interesting, um, a very interesting sort of diagnosis. And um, in terms of, in terms of what you um, what you say. I would say, you know, what's allowable to be said. I would say there has to come a point when you are, for example, um, think of anorexia again. Uh, Pro anorexia websites are shut down, yeah, if they are too dangerous for people, yeah. Um, and when we're thinking about um, the delusions that are being peddled here, um. One of the things that's very interesting about them is the way in which um they did get believed. But yes. I would argue that um belief and obedience are not necessarily the same thing. And you've only got to have one person in a group. I mean we're getting back to witch trials here actually before we know where we are. You've only got to have one person in a group saying, um, actually, uh, Chad and Laurie said the prayers and all the zombies in arizona did die because i was in arizona that weekend and i didn't see a single zombie right right <laughs> yeah you've got one you're only going to have one person putting um putting the idea that these person have got, people have got real power into um the heads of others and then what you've got is a dynamic based on fear because if these people are sufficiently powerful to uh Kill zombie armies in Arizona with their yeah with, from yeah. afar with thoughts yeah yeah. Then if they say to you, "Do you believe in me?" You've got a choice. You either say, "No, I think you're an absolute fruit loop, and everything you say is the square root of rubbish." Yeah, yeah. Risking the chance that they have a zombie army just outside waiting for this contingency, or you go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's all right." Yeah so i think you i think the um i think there is also um a um i was again listening to somebody talking about um respectability bias in a group so if the group starts to decide that it is respectable to agree with chad's pronouncements about portals mm. then the person who um who says no is very much taking a gamble, yeah. Socia- socially taking a gamble,
1: yeah. Um, it's
0: it it's difficult. It's difficult to say um, where the line runs in a way between um, between a credulity and faith, um. I mean, I would say by you know, by their fruits shall you know them is a is a good is a good old bet. So um I would tend to believe that when I see Sikhs uh, you know, out on the streets feeding the homeless, there may be something to their religion.
1: Right, um, right, because it's what do you get from it? Because I I wonder about um this Chad character. And I and I also I wonder a lot about Laurie and, and where you draw the line, because I vacillated between she's just nuts actually yeah but then even if you are mentally ill that how do you divorce yourself from what you know to be right and wrong because it's one thing to be saying prayers to kill nameless zombies in Arizona it's another thing for this person that you've fallen in love with and, and you've had someone murdered for to turn around to you and say bad news duck your kids are also now zombies and for you to go oh well Guess we'll have to burn the whole child. Okay, dark, dark subject. However,
0: the preponderance of child abuse cases among step families. Um. You know, mothers can feel that they are unable to make the choice that is safe for their children.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But also, I think you've you've probably got uh to account for a kind of mental weakness that makes a woman fall in love with a certain type of person anyway. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and he then is able to exploit that. But I think there's also, there's also um, the, the powerful effect of the idea of it's you and me against the world type of yeah. thing. The, the um, which is one, one reason why I, I, um, I I always am quite, I suppose, anti-sectarian in one sense, in the sense that um, if your beliefs are only shared by a very small group of very holy people involving you and the bloke you fancy, yeah? Yeah. Then I would say sociologically there's a fairly high chance that they're a load of poor shit. But if right. at this moment someone is digging a well in namibia because they believe the same stuff as you yeah then this is um which doesn't mean to say just because a lot of people believe something it's necessarily right but i think the converse can be true in the sense that an idea that doesn't get any currency other than you and your friends may well be a pretty terrible idea yeah but so yeah so i think that's um that's a um and i mean hmm, very interesting i have more than one friend not catholics interestingly who are becoming very deeply attached to christian christian practice and they talk in tongues Really? Yeah. Um, And I think... On Q. No, on cue. Um, I think that it's... That's a very interesting phenomenon. Um, You can directly say that that is the Holy Spirit... Uh, You could also say that it is a release of something from your subconscious that you're now being given the ability to do. That one. Yes. But I would. If I found myself in a religious service where someone did that, I would regard that as a vulnerable person.
1: Yes, I no, I would because I've got, and I and I and I'm. This is not me sitting here saying that anyone with faith is mentally ill. No. I, I'm saying that 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 particular instance I would consider a symptom of either a mental illness or someone is just in a real state. Yeah, and something needs to come out. And if that's how it's expressed, then fine. Yes, um, but I mean, it could also just be because well, there will be people that are egging that on and just acting up and making some noises because it gets them some attention also
0: well a lot of this is
1: linked into attention
0: well uh, yes narcissism that's narcissism is what we see
1: what we see here don't
0: we and yeah um another thing i think that does come into this story which is related to religion but it is it is related towards i suppose the extremes of personality and This is the the kind of uh, idea that you have such an overpowering romantic love that you will destroy the world for that love. Yeah. And I think that can also shade off pretty easily into mental illness. Yes. And so I think we've got the two strands playing out here, um, both of which are high roads to madness, potentially. Um but but the um the interesting thing about religion of this sort as well is that um it doesn't seem to have any practice, any anything that you do, any agreed form of I, I've told you I love the word orthopraxis because yeah. uh, you know I love the idea that that there are patterns uh, there are society building patterns that we all follow um, yeah whether that's you know going to the agricultural show or or going to church or whatever and those form part of the pattern of our lives and and I think one of the ways I would distinguish between religion and lunacy is whether or not there's a set practice involved with it because you have yes, and a,
1: a function to the thing
0: yes. Yeah, because you you could argue that um, a contemplative religious, for example, who gets up, what, three times in the night to pray? That's a quite a mad thing to do, in a sense. I think so. But it's a stable thing to do. So if you join the convent at 21, you'll still be getting up at those times in 50 years' time. Yeah. And I think one of the things I would notice about... The sort of cultic behaviour is how unstable it is, and obviously then millenarianism feeds in, and you know the end of the world is nigh, Um, which is also quite convenient. End of the world is nigh because if you if you're behind on your council tax, the end of the world could come in quite handy.
1: Um, well, I honestly yeah. think that, and this is something that Melanie Gibb puts forward as well, and I think she's right, is that I think that Laurie thought and Chad thought they would get away with it because the end of the world would be happening. Yeah. So who's going to miss a pair of kids during the end of the world? Yes. You know, there's well, going to be all sorts of other chaos, isn't there?
0: Well, this is this is a bit like the very interesting stats on crime during the Blitz,
1: oh because, because it went mental didn't it and there was all it, sorts of serial murder and all sorts of things happening in that and, and immediately after world war 2 as well where it, it was just chaos and no one was really looking at anything yeah because and you people kind of because,
0: went yeah because um and so there are, there will always be an element of opportunism that comes with chaos mm. um which is which is uh Terrifying, you know, <laughs> terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. I mean, I, I, I was I was listening to the very very good uh, David soga documentary about the Union the other night, and they were talking about the plantations of Ulster and the people on the Scottish borders had been living in a state of chaos for generations, yeah, uh, anarchy which they could use to their own ends, and when suddenly England and Scotland are united under one crown. They have to go and find another place to export their anarchy because yeah. they're not used to being living in a in a in a in a less frontier mentality. That's another aspect of the maybe about the American psyche. Because do you, if you're a, a, a Hindu or a, a Muslim or a Christian? You've got set holy places and it doesn't matter, you know, how many um, Muslims, for example, live in, in Malaya. Mecca is still in Mecca. Right. But America's always about moving on and the new thing. So is there a kind of frontier aspect to this? point? Well, I think religion? so. I
1: mean, something about the concept of kind of making up the rules to suit yourself, which is what a yeah. lot of these breakout religions have done. It's like, well, we're going to interpret the scripture like this. Yeah. Or just have yeah. a whole new book. I mean, for Lori Vallow to declare herself a god is heretical yeah. by the it, traditions, right? Yes. And she'd have been burnt um, for it, which arguably seen... would have been a better ending.
0: Yeah. We ain't seen nothing like that since Caligula. Right,
1: Um, (laughs) we haven't and i think so so looking at laurie's history there was definitely a tendency to be addicted to attention yeah and again i am not saying that everyone that does a beauty pageant is addicted to attention but you're up there because you want people to look at you and because you're confident you're going to win it right that's or you wouldn't enter it that's just how it is and there's a clip of her at one of these pageants which is one where she declares herself a ticking time bomb so i do wonder if she knew even then But so I I think that the fact that Chad saw something special in her is what attracted her. And I I don't think that she was able to resist that kind of attention of him being like, I've been married to you the whole time. I'm a bump off my wife. We're going to kill your husband. We're going to do the thing. So for me, if someone said, oh, I'll kill my wife so we can be together, that would be a no. Yes. (laughs) No, don't. (laughs) Because actually we won't. But I, I think with that kind of psyche, that was maybe the most romantic or the most dedication that someone could show to her, even though it breaks the biggest commandment that there is. Yeah. And also, you have to ask yourself, on the face of logic, if he's going to do it to that wife, why? Why do you think he won't do it to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, murder is habit forming, isn't it? That's his, right. And, <laughs> and he could it's be very moorish, with. apparently.
0: But 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 very interesting here that she was a beauty pageant queen
1: mm. um and this is
0: not in any way to cast aspersions on people who have this as a you know as a, as a jolly thing that they enjoy yeah
1: joy. go for it everyone needs a hobby right
0: however there is a brilliant nancy Griffiths song about the fate of being the hometown queen and right. um you know she basically uh, everyone says what a pretty child Um, the reality is she can barely read. You know, Father father waltzed her up the aisle because college wasn't quite her style. And by the time the song is being written, she's, uh, to use the quote, heavy on thigh and light on integrity. Right. I think it's a great line, actually. Brilliant line. And I wonder whether the narcissism of a fading beauty feeds in to this, and this is the last, this, this, she may think to herself, is my last chance to fascinate and to have a man at my feet. Maybe.
1: Yeah. And, and to feel beautiful and, yeah. And all that kind of thing. And, yeah. I mean, this is,
0: this is one of the, this is one of the great, great comforts of an ugly duckling that I saw my mother watching her, looking at her face in the mirror and weeping when she was about, late 40s she said i can't believe this is happening to me and i was like what aging (laughs) says 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 the child who has never had you know buses swerve as she stepped off a, a, a curb right and i think that it's quite easy to underestimate the very unsettling effect that kind of influence can have and how sometimes you get people. I mean, you can can get it with a kind of Ava Peron type figure where someone has had this power that goes with their physical attractiveness and they need to trade it for a new power. Yeah. Which maybe is partly what's in the case here.
1: Yeah I I think she was I I think you're right I think there was something about her that she was addicted to being captivating I mean at the time of her arrest she was still very attractive obviously older late 40s by this point Um, but in lovely shape good hair the makeup was there you know and and the police are eating out of her hand within about five minutes she she clearly knows how to be incredibly charming so but I do think there is that kind of aspect of a paradise lost and this big Fairy tale that she thought she was yes. going to get, but then I just have to wonder because the point at which someone says, "Now we're going to kill your kids," that's where the sanity should kick in and go, "Oh my god!" But then I suppose she didn't have that because she ordered her brother to kill her husband. So
0: yeah,
1: I mean, well, you could just get but, divorced. but the other thing, the other I thing I think they were divorced, is, but even so,
0: the other thing is um again getting back to the- the- a theological matter. Yeah, as they say in uh, Father Ted, but. There are two types of religion, uh, certainly in, in, in terms of Christianity. Those who believe in salvation through faith and those who believe in salvation through works. And the thing about salvation through faith is it's a bloody good gig. Because however you behave, you're still going to be redeemed as long as you believe in the Lord
1: Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yes, that's all you've really got to do.
0: And... I see so many people. I, you know, I live in a culture still fairly influenced by Calvinism, and I right. see people who, uh, think are, um, who think they are, who think they are, who think they are not required to ever take anybody else into account because Got they it. know that they are redeemed. Yeah, and. It's a deeply ingrained cultural and social thing um, whereas I kind of come from the opposite end where you've got to try and be your best in the in the, you know, do the best you can in the hope that um, you will leave, leave enough good feeling behind to ensure well, in a way, the interesting thing is, paradoxically, it doesn't really matter then if there's an afterlife in a religious sense because if you have an afterlife in that you're remembered fondly by others then that in itself is an afterlife whereas if you believe you're definitely saved and that the the you know the the the, the thunder is coming you know that the the appalling situation is coming and you're going to definitely win then to some extent unless you don't unless you have a decent personal morality why would you care
1: well, and this is the thing. So, where they started to frame it that they were now the head of the hundred and forty-four thousand. You've ascended beyond a person, and you're now a god in your own right, yeah. or whatever. So, I suppose from that kind of psychological standpoint, you are fit to deal out death and judgment. Yeah, wherever but, I mean, you see it,
0: you've got you've got to be. I mean, but then I suppose you think about the kind of narcissism that drives people to want to be a cabinet minister, making decisions over people's lives. Um, You know, you'd have to believe that there's something super special about you that makes you think that you but then in those circumstances you could always listen to sensible advice so so i'm not tiring everyone by this brush but oh no that exactly sensible saying, advice it...
1: and also just that that dose of healthy skepticism like the instance if someone said to me oh you're you know your husband's been taken over by an evil spirit and then declared that spirit's name to be ned schneider i'd have to have a little consider uh,
0: uh, well that
1: doesn't sound like a spirity name to me
0: no no absolutely not it's It's very interesting that um, what these people were doing was they were presenting a mixture of some solvable and some insoluble problems. Yes. Because, I mean, I would have no doubt as to what to do in the case of thinking that somebody was possessed by an evil spirit. Um, Well, it would depend on the level of the possession because a parish priest can do most stuff but there is a fully trained exorcist up in Wrexham, right? So, <laughs> so if if I were to be, you know, confronted with someone knocking on the door and I think, oh, oh, probably possessed by the evil spirit, I think I've got a tank of petrol. There's 24-hour petrol also in, in Town St. Pride. So Wrexham. I'm just going to get you to see someone who could help. Um, interestingly enough, almost all the... Diocesan level exorcists are also psychiatrist these days, trained psychiatrists.
1: Correct. Correct. Good. Yes. Yes. This is this is the, the right way forward because you, you, I, anyway, I don't need to get into that. But in most most instances, I'm actually I'm going to say all instances of demonic possession are actually a psychiatric issue. I know not all of them because sometimes people are just making it up for attention and money. And I, think I, that...
0: well, I you, I've I've told you what happened when I asked our parish priest whether. He would had any instances. Oh God! He said yes. He said yes, and I said, "Well, what do you do?" And he said, "Well, I come out and I do a few rituals, and everybody feels quite happy about it, and I go home." And I, and and I said, "Oh, I said it sounds like this almost forms a pattern." Yes, he said. I sometimes I get myself at Times. It's my treat on a Saturday. I get myself the Times, and sometimes I look at the TV guide. And I know there'll be demonic possession by, the, by 10 o'clock that night because there's nothing good on the town. The
1: Enfield haunting's on.
0: Yeah, and he said, no, no, it's just there's nothing good on. He said, oh, if right. for example, if there's a knife-edge strictly vote, Satan never troubles the people in my parish. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, if it's all very dull and there's just a few, you know, too many repeated programmes from 15 years ago, um. He said, I look at it. Sometimes I look at it and, and I just say to myself, this is bad news. Somebody will report possession by by 10 o'clock on Saturday unless, yeah. unless an emergency good program comes in.
1: Well, that's it. Or just in times of economic downturn, because I notice a bit of a trend in that people tend to contact the Daily Mirror before they contact a priest.
0: Yeah. Well, there we are. you know we
1: get the papers involved etc so i would i'm bearing in mind that he was an author as well i would have really expected him to come up with a better name and then i wonder about him as a personality i mean is that psychopathy to be able to that that coldly single out he's gone to this conference he's married he's got his kids he sees this woman he's like brilliant tell her that so i think that, that you've got I think they're different personalities aren't they I think they came together in the worst possible way yes I think that both of them had immense destructive power I just I think that he's actually the scarier personality because I think his was a lot more sinister and deliberate because he went on this crusade okay first hook her in yeah then make her think the husband's got to go now my wife's got to go wicked we've done that Now the kids have got to go and I've got to convince her of that. And then once that was done, they hobbobbed off to Hawaii and got married on the beach. But also the friends, the friends, like I said at the start, again, as a person in the secular world, if someone popped up to me and said, I'll be moving in with him. And, you know, we've had the vision. His wife's definitely going to die before I get there. Yeah. I'd be raising some kind of concern somewhere. Yes absolutely I, I, and the second someone says to me my kids are now zombies i'm like oh, okay i'll come and get them then because it's was it's, it's so clearly signposted that things are not okay yeah and yet the people but- around them because they're entrenched in this system and they're used to hearing this stuff and just believing about portals and visions and yeah. jesus turning up in the bathroom to chad look at him looks like yeah. warm coleslaw the least inspiring human being i've ever laid eyes on and yet he's well, got these people bought into this nonsense so much that they ignored two kids being missing for a long time.
0: And this is this is what I would say, again, is this business about de- define religion or cult and um, people being contextualised. I heard some years ago quite um, an interesting discussion on Woman's Hour with a woman from Glasgow who has the stigmata. Does she? She does, and she said, uh, "What difference it made to your life?" said um, the uh, interviewer on Woman's well, Eye. I've got
1: a big hole I, in my hand,
0: and she said, "It's really hard with carrier bags." She said, "It's it is really hard with carrier bags." What, well, because it's slippery and
1: or it's sore? She yeah. said,
0: "I I find that I um that when I am um I have to go shopping more often because I can carry less." But she said, that's just the mundane things. Obviously, what I hope is the fact that I have a stigmata will bring people to the church and all this kind of thing. But she seemed, the, the peculiar thing about it, and you may say this is just... And I'll, I'll
1: be able to afford an acardo delivery after this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, she didn't. She was making... She was She was a, a, a pensioner. She was living in a terraced house terrace in Glasgow. She was just Mrs Mac- Mrs. McLeady, the one with the stigmata. And it was the fact okay. that she was living a completely contextualized life that made it much more convincing to me. She wasn't she hadn't been whisked away to Lourdes to live in like a, a golden cage where people could come and see her. She was just living her life. Yeah. And
1: I and suppose did she show you all the stigmata?
0: She showed the, the, the interviewer the stigmata. Um but um Obviously, you know, God knows. I and I'm literally God knows. But my point about that is when you talk about people's toxic relationships, whether with a man or with God, um, one of the things that you need to ask first is is this interrupting the pattern of the lives their lives that they lead in, in a yes. in a negative way, you know? Um well, obviously. If if you meet a millionaire and he whisks you away, a um, friend friend of mine's got a friend who recently married somebody who's called Will and is a millionaire, and so it's called by their her children the Willionaire. Amazing. And if you if you are if you are whisked away by a millionaire, good luck. But most of us are trying to carry on our lives in the in the context we're living.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that you say that actually about disrupting the pattern. Because Melanie Gibb, the friend that um, Laurie and Chad asked to lie and say that she had the child, she said that when it started to fall apart for her, this illusion, was when their beliefs and their actions started to go against the pattern of the doctrine and the teachings she'd been given from her church
0: right yeah she
1: said you know I started to realize that this is now secretive and not wholesome and this is not what I've been taught about Jesus who is who he is every day and is consistent and is the same yes and now these things are changing and there are lies and you can't tell me where the children are because they're in danger apparently but you're asking me to say that they that I have them so if the kids are in danger why not be delighted that the police are involved because you can yeah. tell them that these people are coming after the children they'll be able to yeah. fix it they're the police right yeah. so it's it's interesting that you say that about the pattern because that that's what yeah. res, raised the alarm for Melanie was that the pattern of her faith was broken by the actions of yes. these people arguably should have been quite a lot earlier but she got there yes. in the end yeah and that's but, the point
0: but, but I would also say um from another context that you know uh, um it's surprising how reluctant people are when they see something is going wrong but it's in your relationship and they don't want to interfere people yes. are often very reluctant so there's that um i think i would have been scared witless if that was been one of my friends i really want to say that i would have been the person that would have said no Laurie, you know this isn't supposed to this isn't a, this isn't how it's supposed to be. I wished I thought that I would be that person, but I think I might be more likely to be the person who just slips away and no longer has that person as a friend um and that's that's another thing um about what you need to not fall prey to madness is good friends and those those being strong.
1: And that change. is the danger, I think, of the echo chamber. And that's something that we see increasingly with social media. And I think, therefore, with the increasingly extreme views that tend to come out of it, is that if you surround yourself only with people that are buying into this thing, and you have, you know, because well, well, not all of the story does happen in Utah. Some of it does. But I think where you have these sort of enclaves of belief, yeah. where people are already open to slightly wackadoo, things so it's not that much of a leap because if everyone around you is like oh man the end times that's going to be a thing huh and you're then going yeah so-and-so's a zombie it's just not that far away yeah it's not that far away so I think that you know people can kind of get there a bit easier but if you have nothing to benchmark yourself against and if you have no challenge which is again what we get in social media because the algorithm gives you what you already think and you're going to be drawn to stuff and people that are already what you think um And that's how we end up thinking, people thinking that every man is a rapist and every woman is a gold digger. And, you know, yeah. this kind of incel boom that we've got and the and the huge division between left and right, because we've been told that that gets played out like it's teams instead yeah. of um, concentric circles of frequently overlapping values. Then actually it's, it's it's so easy for that everything to just intensify that. I mean, we've all been in probably in friendship groups where the humour gets a bit bored. And throughout yeah. the course of a session or an evening, it gets more and more extreme. Yes. Until yes. it's really quite on the edge because you test the water, it's acceptable. It goes a bit further, it's acceptable. Now, that's not to say that, that justifies murder. No. Because it definitely doesn't. No. But no, it, no. in the path of unpicking how people can get into those situations, I think that really you you need one monster. Yes. Who knows how yes. to work a room yeah and the rest will kind of fall in because it's as you say if you had reason to think that this person had had someone murdered or killed someone directly, are yep. you really gonna say where are the kids tell me today or are yep. you gonna go ha, 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 ha yeah and just get out of there with your skin I it's hard I think again again I, I what... wanna I want to be the person that's like oh I' would definitely be the justice warrior would I mm, you're not in that situation I, I
0: tell me what I think I probably would do. I would probably make an anonymous phone call to the police. I uh, yes, because yes. Um, I am a rat and a coward, and I don't want someone that I know has already killed would put the fear of God up me. Um, yeah.
1: And no one wants to believe that someone's bumped off their kids, do they?
0: No, no.
1: Apart from anything
0: else, you know, because um, even if you get into the mad world of Dawkins and his, um, you know rather dodgy science, um, the idea that we are all here to reproduce our genes at a very basic level. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: obviously, societies develop to be more or less pronatalist. natalist yeah. And um, I was listening to a very interesting podcast about antinatalism, actually, at the weekend, which really was a very intriguing... Was it? Well, yeah, because basically they were saying that there's an American, uh, Australian, Australian uh, philosopher who says that um, because human life contains suffering and because an unborn child cannot consent to that suffering, um, that giving birth to a child is analogous to a form of assault because you are imposing this grief upon them, the grief that is natural to life.
1: I mean, they might win the lottery. You can't say that. Yeah,
0: exactly, and the, exactly. That's. I mean, it's a very gloomy philosophy. But anyway, anyway. But um,
1: well, it might the, be right, but where does it get anyone?
0: Well, I tell you where it gets them. I mean, it, it, there is a there is a a technical philosophical term called it, that's a load of wank, and yeah. you know that's the moment to deploy that term. But, but um, the point the point about pronatalism, or, or, which is what most societies are usually based on, is the idea that it's something very deep in us from the time we were in the caves or whatever, the we Neanderthals, that we want to preserve our own genetic material. And therefore, the killing of children is incredibly um, taboo in, in most societies. And the killing of your own children is super taboo yeah uh, you know i think you've got to you've got to go a very long way uh, and probably to the aztecs before you find any society which praises child killing
1: and well that's it it's the coldness of it so, so let's say in your delusion you truly believe that the end times are coming and that the kids are now zombies and that they've got to go yeah and you believe that one would think that the act itself would still make you distraught Yes. But they're not distraught. They're happy, happy no. getting married on a beach in Hawaii. Yeah. So if, I think for Chad Debo, I don't actually think that Faith came into this at all. I think that was a mechanism that he used to get a pretty woman on her own to have a fantasy life with her.
0: I think, I think there is no doubt about it that anything which causes people to have more than is rational belief is potentially going to be used by somebody who's a swindler. Um, yeah. I mean, this is this is an argument that I have about um, people who, when people say, for example, you know, that in all circumstances we, we should be kind, and I would say, yes, we should be kind, but we should also be watchful. Right. Because simply being kind is not enough. Because yeah. there are people out there who say, oh, here's someone being kind. I must take brutal advantage of them. Yeah. So uh it is a very um it's a i it, 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 it's i th- i think it goes with being human that there will be some people who are inclined to exploit others and they will use whatever tools they have to exploit them yes. um and th- there is something about both power and faith that does lead to people using them for exploitative purposes yeah.
1: Yeah, because I mean, faith it, can give you power over other people if you just know how to spin it right. You know, just in his assertion that he was a visionary and that somehow set him apart from everyone else, because people are going, "Well, well, I don't have visions. I haven't seen the Lord." Yeah, so this person must be special. Yes, uh, you know, as opposed to saying he's either he's either not well or he's talking bollocks.
0: I mean, this both. does remind me. This does remind me rather of a, of a conversation when I was in my early teens. My mother. Uh, had an idea that it wouldn't be a bad idea if i did see some visions right she said she said i think we could we could get quite a good shrine going here she had a very medieval mind and she said um, look it wouldn't be too bad for you obviously you'd have to dress very simply and do a lot of kneeling on cold stones but actually you know we could pay the mortgage off with um we'd we'd we well, i don't little... think she had
1: a medieval mind i think she had a modern one <laughs> Yeah. Before she was going out with that. She was yeah. um she was a TikTok generation before TikTok was a thing. Wasn't yeah, she? yeah. And, and and I and I,
0: I, I was like kind of hmm, I'm not too sure about this. And she said, well just, you know, keep your inner mind, your inner eye open, your your mind open. Um and I I, I was very um I for a while I was quite preoccupied with the idea actually that I had to be sufficiently naughty To mean that they would not get given a vision because it just seemed like something you know you're in year at nine you know and you've got your friendship group and suddenly you're seeing visions it's just yeah going to be great it's going to be worse than stigmata trying to carry a carrier bag
1: oh my god yeah imagine yeah imagine you couldn't have any paper bags blood all over the place no living nightmare to be quite honest.
0: but but uh, i think you've chosen a very interesting case to look at and one of the things about it is that it gets um it gets right down to a lot of very basic human instincts
1: yes yes and the drivers and the things that can impact those drivers so because for me i as a child believed all sorts of fanciful things mm. And I think I've spoken about it on here before, actually, is that I went through really intense stages of grief over the fact that I could never visit Midler. Right. I wanted it to be real so badly. I I longed for it, I yearned for it, and I grieved it that it wasn't, but I knew that it wasn't. Yeah. So I wonder how it is that some people can have such an innate sense of reality, even in the presence of vast imagination. Yeah. Because I can go into all sorts of things, you know, like I, I really enjoy um, paranormal horror films. Yeah. You know, the creepy ghost kid opening the door. I love it. I But I separate that. And I've always yes. had a way to separate that. Yes. I don't buy into it and think that it's real. So and and I don't think, well, we do have obviously over here, there will be sections of the populace, but we don't seem to have the same phenomenon of mass normalization yeah of of this belief in things that that can take people to these really really dark places and just the enablement of behavior that we saw I mean eventually Chad's wife was exhumed and I think they did prove it was murder he was been mm. tried for her murder anyway but I, and I just wonder how so much death can come out of a message like you get from the Ten Commandments which I'm pretty sure takes quite a hard line on forbidding that sort of thing
0: well, you see, I I do think in this instance that we're not wrong to focus on the fact that this is an American story, right? I think this is a classic American story, and
1: but it's also not really about God; it's about sex, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but 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 God does come in because
1: yeah, big time. America,
0: in a way which no European country, Italy or Spain included, is not. America is a confessional state, in the sense that people came there—an awful lot of them, and certainly the early ones—because of their religious beliefs.
1: But do you think it's also because they missed the Renaissance?
0: Yeah, could be that. Could be they were they were they were not at home when the Renaissance came knocking on their door.
1: When we got but, the Enlightenment, they
0: bugged yeah, off. But 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 the other thing uh, that I would say, and and this is one of my, um, you know, one of my uh, sort of key tenets of belief um is that if you are in a situation where you keep on making new relationships all over again yeah um, you move on to a new town and and i remember my late brother rupert was telling me uh, when we were talking funnily enough had a long very long phone conversation about the subprime mortgage market in america and and he was saying that there were houses built in lots of places in the Midwest, which were movable on the back of a lorry back. Right. And so what you did was you went to state A and you borrowed money uh, to buy a plot of land. You put your house on it. You built your life. And then when the debts came to call on you, you simply picked up your house and moved into another state where right. the debts were not enforceable. And right. I was absolutely flabbergasted by this idea. Yeah. Because, you know, I live in a house that's been sitting here for 500 years. And, well, I was and...
1: going to say, you, you know, your yours was built to survive the rapture, wasn't Ex- it? Exactly, exactly.
0: Possibly the house, the world has, has ended several times but this house is still... You wouldn't
1: here. know. You just wouldn't know. But... Yeah, I'm in a bunker. This isn't a, this yeah, isn't a
0: blanket. Exactly. But, yeah. but the idea that you can... I mean, look, it has always been the case in every society that uh, the idea is that you can move on. And obviously, since the Black Death, you know, you couldn't go and get work in another town or whatever. But I don't think there's another culture where it is so ingrained as it is in America. And what that does, I think, is give you a recurrent tabula rasa so you can go and start again. And he he has a wife and children but he can rock up with this woman and start again yes just like psychologically going um into the um psychologically going into a new town as it were
1: well that's it and using the framework of the um the normalized canon i suppose just say oh yeah you and i've been married loads of times in past lives and no one thought to go okay what's my favorite color yeah yeah absolutely who's he to say that on what authority can he say that yeah but it's that faith that thing is i'm a visionary i've spoken to jesus everyone just accepts it yeah and then goes along with it yeah incredible
0: It is incredible. And it's particularly incredible when it um, so closely aligns with what would actually be regarded as working out quite well for this bloke anyway.
1: Incredibly well, right? Because I don't think his business was doing great. And it just so happened that Laurie stood to get quite a lot of money in life insurance.
0: Oh, right. Oh, Well, that's handy.
1: That's handy. Yeah, good old Charles had a three million dollar policy, which she didn't actually get that because he he changed the beneficiary, which was smart. But she still got a lot from Social Security every month. I think she was coining in about four grand. Uh,
0: what what also um what also is intriguing here is that um obviously there were people like the ex-husband who were able to see through all this.
1: He made lots of complaints and he tried to get help a lot of times. I mean, there's some really heartbreaking uh, body cam footage of him Um, when he called the police at the house. He's like, I can't get in touch with my kids. Yeah, My wife is not well. She needs to be assessed. She's crazy. She thinks it's the end time. She thinks she's a god. She thinks I'm an evil spirit. She's saying all this wacky stuff. Yeah. They get in touch with her. She comes in acts nice with them for five minutes nothing happens and then literally days later this man is dead
0: yeah
1: and yeah. it's incredible to me the lack of action when you have and in the in the thing he's not mad in the in the video footage he's not upset he's very lucid right. he's speaking in a very sensible way he's like look we're lds she has this beliefs we have these beliefs but it's gone too far and she's really not well. And no one listened to him and no one listened to him. And then so many people died.
0: Do you think though, that that to some extent might've been because um, I don't know, I've no, I, I'm not the faintest information about the religious affiliation of the policeman concerned. but just imagine for one moment that there's quite a few people who have these slightly fringe beliefs in this district you'd pretty soon get used to running when when they call and maybe you'd start to think, you know what, it's all a load of rubbish, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I when I was at university, the, the rumour in the town, which isn't a very helpful one, was that um, really the police didn't really care what the students did. But yeah. if they started to in any way impinge on the lives of the locals, the police suddenly... Got very, very much involved.
1: I think there yeah. is. And I think, and I, I hate to do the cop bashing thing because I think that police take a bit of a, they get a bit of a bad rap and they take a kick in where they don't always necessarily deserve it. But there is, I think, something to this about police laziness. Yeah. Because if someone's saying to you, I can't get in touch with my kids, I can't this, and then someone comes in, it was a bit like, oh, we don't, we just don't need to look at that. Like, for example, on the day that Charles Vallo got shot, Laurie yeah. was in the house, reported to have heard the shot, yeah. but then still took the youngest child to school, stopped at Burger King on the way, and then stopped off to buy the other child flip-flops on the way back to the house. Yeah. You've heard a gunshot. You've heard a gunshot. Yeah. Yes. That's not normal behaviour. No. And no. it would have been the work of moments to put that together Yeah, and ask the right questions, and the whole thing probably would have come tumbling down. I, I suppose. that didn't happen. And I think it's because people couldn't be bothered. I'll, I'll be really well, honest.
0: Well, I think it could be because they couldn't be bothered. But I think it also could be that they just didn't want to be in a mad conversation that goes like this. Did you hear a gunshot? Yes. What did you think that might have happened? I thought somebody might have been released to Jesus. Yeah. Oh, God. God. Right. So why did you get flip flops? So that my child can run as fast as the angels beside him. And you just, you know... It's a busy day. You've got two break-ins. I suspect that this is not so much police laziness exactly as police weariness. And weariness
1: weariness
0: around um, wacko beliefs.
1: Yeah, because they always have like 200 plus open cases and, you know. Yeah. But in this instance, someone had been murdered and it took a long time before anyone sort of took that seriously.
0: But the other thing, the other thing I think uh, is that um because of the federal law, the state law and, and everything about polygamy, there is a very tense relationship between the LDS and the police, isn't there?
1: Yes. And
0: uh, I heard, which I thought was quite chilling in a way but i'm i'm now i'm now going down a little bit of a handmaiden, you know margaret Atwood line handmaid's yeah. tale um that there are lots of houses in uh large houses in, in 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 certain places in utah where there are no windows facing the street because um nobody wants uh, the, the the people who built the house don't want the authorities to know how many women are living there
1: oh my goodness and that's that's chilling
0: and but, yeah well, it's mainly because you know they they believe that people can have loads and loads of husbands, husband
1: wives, rather. Oh yeah, um, no, you can't have loads of husbands. It doesn't. Uh, the it doesn't yeah. roll back the other way.
0: You know, it's it's a funny thing that isn't it? There's only a few, I think, a couple of Polynesian islands where polyandry is the thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's which is which is uh, it. It's interesting. It's that's that in itself is an interesting phenomenon. Well, it doesn't, and
1: I hate to—I don't want to sound too anti-American on this podcast because I'm not, but it's—they it's, have more of a tradition of women as property, I think, than we we do here. Well,
0: I think we've gone. I think we've moved along. Um, I was actually I was listening to somebody talking about women in the Middle Ages, actually, and saying um, uh, that there was—is uh, it there's a difference between? knowing that life was tough for everybody and and lots of people were unfree like serfs yeah yeah and saying that women were property women may not have had some rights to own their own property and certainly they don't have anything like the rights they have today but then most people didn't have any rights anyway so we're you know <laughs> where rights we're, we're, generally
1: were in, in short rights. supply yeah well young AD. well that was suitably grim i don't know that we've made any conclusions apart from well that was weird but yeah i guess my takeaway would be always challenge your beliefs challenge your thoughts and And, and weigh yourself against higher morality than just what you want in the moment because
0: and, and also um at the risk of sounding um a bit naive um think about context you know um the more people know you and the more they know about you potentially the more they can keep an eye on the harm that you're doing um that's right and i I don't mean that in a in a kind of you know league of gentlemen curtain twitching way i mean that that you have a context in which your decisions are being made and this strikes me as one of the most decontextualized stories i've ever heard to the extent that they even believed that any day now there would be no physical world around them, and that in itself
1: you know but that the, the, they the were ultimate? still special enough that they would get to lead what was left
0: yeah
1: and yeah it's it's a, it's a staggering, uh, staggering I cannot
0: by the way I cannot be un- i cannot understand um the philosophical or eschatological eschatology yeah it's eschatology the eschatological attraction of a religion that says there's only 144,000 that are getting through um i quite like the idea that the good people will be getting through and obviously we're living in a world of nearly 8 billion people so that yeah. means you know let's hope a good four
1: living now might be on the way up to heaven, yeah. Well, that's it. Because I, I, that that the idea of the hundred forty four thousand actually does belie the rest of the teaching, doesn't it? It's yeah, a, a that, little but, bit at odds with everything else. Because well, according to that, you can be really good, say your prayers, but if you just pull the wrong number on the ballot, if you're yeah. one thousand one hundred 145 thousand in in the yeah. list, then sorry, hon. Well, but this. This
0: reminds me of an argument that I had with a boy at university who was in my house who wasn't particularly a friend of mine, but he was living in the same house as me. And he had fallen among a particular type of born-again Christian. And um, I was quite worried about him because I thought it was not very good for his mental health. And you were right, yeah. I was, what I was trying to say to him was exactly on these lines. If there are so, if it's all been predestined and you may or may not, getting through um how can this be fair yeah and if god is an embodiment of all that is good how can he base his whole system on something that's fundamentally unfair because i I mean everyone would know that um mad things before breakfast and the the, the liquefaction of the blood of saint genario yep i'm there i'm there looking for that blood liquefying however however the tradition i was raised in does have the concept of right reason so you should use your brain to examine your religion and a classic example of this would be um the attitude towards the bible um and you know It says that you shall, in the Bible, it says you shall not eat a fish unless it's got a fin. Right. Now, look, I like a prawn. I'm not I'm not I'm not lying to this podcast. I love a prawn. If I believed in scripture alone, I would have to believe every single word that is written in scripture is literally true. I believe that the whole point about keeping the dietary laws in is that they are a metaphor for not allowing yourself to run away with yourself so in other words keep yourself under some control because otherwise the things that you might want whether it's somebody else's uh you know ass as it were or whether it's heroin will destroy you and i believe well that the person
1: were... that wrote it might have also had a bad experience with a prawn with
0: well no no that, that's exactly the next point i was going to make and these are dietary laws for some people in a desert when there were no refrigerators. So these are cracking dietary laws for those circumstances.
1: Yeah, and that would say you should stay away. If you found a prawn in the desert, don't eat it.
0: Yeah, exactly. However, However, you apply right reason and say, I'm in Marks and Spencer's, the sandwich is within date. Yeah, I'm going to ignore what Leviticus says and munch on this sandwich. And the litigas had
1: never been in an M&S food and I he defy him to... Definitely we... yeah. him.
0: So what I'm saying is if you apply some element of your brain to, in a way, a bit like you do in a relationship or hopefully you do in a relationship, yes, there's that crazy heart-pounding I think it's the one moment, yeah? yeah? But there's also god this bloke is good for me this is you know there's there's a a relationship a good relationship is a rational relationship and i think that's true about god as well actually
1: yes i think so too yeah 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 and and what good are you getting out of it and if the answer is you've got to murder your kids just say no
0: exactly exactly that's that's that's, I mean, this is this just gets back to my uh, uh, old old thing. If if it's not if it's not good, he isn't necessarily. This isn't necessarily the right message.
1: Exactly, precisely, yeah. But do do go and check out the the I content. Will. There's there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, the yeah you know all all the ups and downs and what went on is is available to consume. You know how they found the kids at the farm and you know some very very interesting recorded phone calls between the two of them. Where you know that they're searching the property and and he clearly obviously knows what they're gonna find, and just this conversation that they have that they know the the game is up and i I just really wonder what they thought the end result would be when they went off on that endeavor well,
0: did they i mean this is the question um was he that kind of narcissist who simply wants to pull the whole house down? I want to destroy the world, yeah. Which is a thing.
1: Well I don't they... know because he wasn't out there saying they had to kill his kids.
0: No. No. Good point. Or was he just somebody who was getting a kick out of manipulating her so far that she'd even do that, this terrible thing?
1: That I, I think that I think that I think I think that he'd had his, his life with his wife, Poet didn't know it. And I think his kids were older. Yeah. Um and I think all that had gone on and I I think maybe similar maybe is it a bit of a like narcissistic psychotic midlife where you're like oh I have one last shot at this thing but she's got his kids are kind of a bomber yeah and then, but, but, and then I think yeah I think that he had mental illness because he had pages and pages and pages of like lists of celebrities who he said were also apostles right okay
0: right fair enough that's but but an interesting point though and I'm not I'm not a freudian in terms of the way uh, human relationships act
1: but I no, think he was another one
0: yeah but I think many of us are familiar with a situation where there is a man and a wife and some children and it is crucial not her not his biological children but it's not necessarily conclusive so man woman children woman has only 24 hours of attention yeah. And if the man was expecting 24 hours a day of attention from that woman, then his relationship to those children is...
1: Well, then the kids have got to go.
0: Yeah. Is, yeah, And and you could argue that, if you wanted to be uh, a very kind of determinist way, you could argue that the whole purpose of human civilization has been to stop men killing their children. Oof, Because actually... Because they are deprived of the attention of the female, which they believe they've got a right to, the whole of human society has to bend towards stopping men killing their children.
1: And that's a wrap. And that. <laughs> I, mean, I can guarantee you that so many people just went absolutely mental. <laughs> I don't think you're right, by the way. I disagree well... with that. Really it's a strongly. thought. It's a thought. It's a thought. I don't think it's the right thought. I think it no. does apply to Chad Daybell. I, th- I think. Yeah. No, I think some men, but not not all of them.
0: But no, no, I don't. By any means, think it applies to all men. But I think what we're talking about is a thing so bad that you know, the, in the story of the Greek gods, you've got c- fathers consuming children is a major theme, and yes, it's it's singled out for being something that you ought not to be doing, you know, and and lots of other things are as well. But, but um, so what I'm just saying is if you're in that Chad Daybell situation, you've got the hot woman and she's got some surplus children. She's only got so many hours of the day to devote to you as long as those children are there. Um,
1: Yeah,
0: true. Which is, which is very mundane. And if you think God's calling you as well, um, you know, You deserve lots of attention. Right. Well, on that bombshell note.
1: On that bombshell. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just won't look at the emails this week. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to delete all of those.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, and we should we shall mill the air again soon and, and soon. do you want to remind everybody uh, uh ad where they could send an email if they, if they so if to you want to shout clarify. at Mov,
1: you can send an email to milling the air at gmail.com similarly you can blow up the facebook page which is milling the air um and and if you want to come for Mov on twitter then knock yourselves <laughs> out i'm not on there so you can't touch me
0: excellent Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And thank you, Amy, for a very stimulating chat.
1: That was wonderful. Speak to you soon. Thank you.